Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Conversations on Dance is generously made possible by Yumiko. Yumiko creates handmade dancewear for dancers by dancers and for years has been a favorite of students and professionals alike. Recently, we had the opportunity to chat with the founder of this legendary brand, Yumiko Takashima, and hear more about her career as a professional dancer, how she created her first leotard, and how she built the company into the brand we love today. Tune in now to hear her speak with us in episode 153, and visit yumiko.com to browse their incredible catalog of customizable dancewear and ready-to-wear styles. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail, a sponsor helping to host the Vail Dance Festival in our community. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week we are joined from the 2019 Vail Dance Festival by Julian McKay, soloist at the Mikulovsky Dance Theater. Born in Montana, he quickly discovered his passion for ballet as a young boy, moving to Russia to train at just 11 years old. He went on to train at the Moscow State Ballet Academy for six years, graduating top of his class. He danced for eight months at the Royal Ballet before returning to Russia to join the Mikulovsky as a soloist at just 20 years old. We talk with Julian about his fascinating journey through ballet curriculums in Russia, how the schools and companies work there, about his debut in the full-length Swan Lake with just two weeks to prepare, and his first time at the Vail Dance Festival. Hi, Julian. Thank you so much for coming over after your rehearsal. Um, We really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Thank you, thank you. When did you get here to Vail? Uh, a couple days ago. Okay, and you're adjusting, you said, starting to adjust? Yep. All right, we'll talk more about the festival in a little bit, but okay. first we just want to start off with your upbringing and your dance training. You were born in Montana. Yep. How did you get your start in dance? Well, uh, I basically was watching my sisters go to ballet class, mm-hmm. and uh, when they left to train professionally at the Kirov Ballet Academy in Washington, D.C., I came and saw a school show, mm-hmm. and I saw actually Brooklyn Mac. Uh, mm-hmm jumping and flying on stage doing Corsair and after that I was super inspired and I was like I have to try this and so that's kind of how it started wow 
Yeah. And how did you kind of start to become a little more serious with your dance training? Well, I realized that uh, I really needed to find a full-time school because mm-hmm. I worked with some private teachers in Montana, but mm-hmm. I really was kind of outgrowing them. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted more serious training, like duet classes, character right. classes. Mm-hmm. And I went and did uh, YGP actually in Denver. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I I did this funny uh, funny piece called Concrete Hero with a fencing sword mm-hmm. uh, because at the time I was fencing a lot and I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool like, to combine my interests mm-hmm. and um, from that I got a scholarship to go to uh, the summer program in Connecticut mm-hmm. uh, where they brought some Russian teachers over from the Bolshoi Ballet Academy mm-hmm. and uh, they saw me and offered me offered me the place uh, to come and try it out mm-hmm. uh, in Moscow and for me that was. Uh, Something at first that my mom, uh, she's super supportive. My family is super supportive. Mm-hmm. I have two older sisters that are ballerinas and a younger brother that uh, was like the most talented out of all of us, like <laughs> the best splits, feet and legs and stuff. And at that time, my mom really wanted me to go to school maybe in California or Salt Lake City, somewhere closer, uh, where they also had Russian teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got this opportunity to try to go to Russia, it was really my sisters that convinced my mom to be like, well, you know, you should give it a shot because later when he's older, uh, he's really going to regret it that he didn't uh-huh. take it. How old were you at this point? I was 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but what were your thoughts? Like as an 11 year old, I was like, like I want to do this. Or yes, you, yes. Yes. Like being from Montana, I had this like spirit of adventure always. Mm-hmm. Or if that was like building snow forts or exploring, I mean, right. I wanted to be like a, Jeff Corwin mm-hmm. and like <laughs> explore the wilderness. Yeah. yeah. And so going to Russia for me was that experience. The uh-huh. fact that I was doing ballet on top of it, which is what I love to do was just like fun. Uh-huh. And, um, so I got over there when I was 11 to kind of try it out for six months and I stayed for six years then. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So when you, so your sisters convinced your mom, I'm just fascinated yeah. by this. Like <laughs> it's so interesting. So your sisters convinced your mom and then did you just go completely on your own or did your mom, my mom came you? with me. Okay. Uh, that yeah. was definitely my key to success because, yeah. uh, I mean, ballet is such a young profession in general mm-hmm. that if you really don't have family support. It's, it's extremely difficult yeah. to find a good school, to go to summer programs. Right. You, you literally can't even fill out the form yourself. It's yeah. too, it's too confusing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as my dad found out then filling out everything. Um, and so basically it was definitely because of the support of my family that I was able to go there. Uh, my mom came with me and then my brother Nicholas, he uh, came the next year and he came when he was nine then. Mm-hmm. So it was me and my wow. brother at the school. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So what was the training like there? I mean, obviously for us, we grew up in the States and we have that same kind of training that you started with. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's a big difference from not only just a total cultural shock that probably happened to you, but also the rigorous style of training. So what was, what first struck you as like when you got there, what were you thinking about the training and the discipline and that sort of thing? Well, it was, um, it's super serious. It was mm-hmm. like an army boot camp for kids that were like very much little kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the people in my class, they were like kicked off the Olympic figure skating team. And that's why they were doing ballet. <laughs> As I came from, I mean, I was like a little bit chubby and like I liked to do ballet. And I, I really, I loved to do it. And I mm-hmm. think that's why I was able to work, uh, work through the difficult moments and still stick with it. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely when I first came out, I was not, uh, not close to the level on my entrance exam. I think I got uh, a three, which is like, it goes from like two to five, two mm-hmm. being like failing mm-hmm. and like five being like an A. Mm-hmm. And so I got like a three. So I was like, just barely passable barely pass. <laughs> <laughs> on the sidebar. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What was the language barrier like? Uh, well, that was something that because I was so young, I didn't really experience that kind of uh, moment where I didn't know the language for that long. It took mm-hmm. me about a year to really speak it fluently. 
mm-hmm. and uh, along the way I had some Russian classes, so I learned to read and write pretty quick. And I really just wanted to have friends. I wanted mm-hmm. to speak with people, and uh, I wanted to understand things. So even my first teacher at the at the Bolshevik Academy, uh, Voynorovska was her last name. She had this like uh, hair that like did this like wave and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, she loved elvis presley so <laughs> our like 15 minute warm-up was always to elvis presley it's so funny and she uh she was really smart in trying to explain to me things that i didn't understand because a lot of the times a lot of these russian words especially when i didn't understand much mm-hmm. i didn't understand the nuances or mm-hmm. uh how complicated the sentences that she was forming at all right. mm-hmm. i just understood very basic words and so she would use like her hands to show a telescope and stuff to st- to explain to me that she saw that I was doing the right thing or I was mm-hmm. using the right muscle mm-hmm. and very, a lot of physical hands-on mm-hmm. things that, uh, at first for me it was, it was like totally fine. And I was used to that. I knew that mm-hmm. I was going to Russia. I knew it was going to be like a hard experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all these teachers that I was working with, they became like a second mom to me. Right. They were really loving. They could be really hardcore and very like mean, right. but at the end of the day, they were loving. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I still remember one of the teachers in the school came to my mom and was like, is it okay to like, you know, touch your son and everything and move his legs and everything? Mm-hmm. Because coming from the U.S., of course, that's like really a... Um, Can be taboo or yeah, something. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very like dangerous subject because right. sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom was like, yeah, sure. Like, that's why we came to Russia. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we came a long give way for her, this. Give, um, give him the education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, mom, are you kidding me? Like, she's going to beat me up. And then, like, <laughs> in reality, she like loved me the whole entire uh-huh. time. So yeah. it was great. What was your mother's experience like? That's, I, I, you, like you said, like children can uh, yeah. absorb new languages and uh, adjust to new cultures a lot more easily than an adult. So yeah. I, she was obviously there for you. So I'm sure that helped take her out of it. But otherwise, was that a... Uh, she was definitely... Uh, she helped me stay very much American. Mm-hmm. So like uh, the second she saw... I mean, remember this time when actually Nicholas... I tell this story a lot, but Nicholas, <laughs> he... Um, my brother, he... Uh, after school, was walking with his friends and stuff and he like spit on the street. And in Russia, like when you're young, that like shows that you're cool and like, you know, yeah. you're like a tough guy. And as soon as my mom saw that, she was like, that's it. Like, we're going to go home if you do that again. Oh. Huh? Because it's the kind of things that like in the US, like nobody does that. Right, it's right. not a thing. Right, right, right. As in Russia, like uh, kind of this like this like street style. It was like yeah. cool. <laughs> and he was like... He was super small. He was like nine, so he didn't know what he was doing. Um, but yeah, my mom definitely uh, uh, kept us open to the world and stuff. And um, yeah, I was really grateful to her then when later on in my training, I realized that I wanted to uh, push myself more because the system is very slow and mm-hmm. uh, it's very much building block, which is really good. Mm-hmm. But at some age, you realize like you're about 15, 16 years old and you, you're not doing a full variation mm-hmm. right. because you, they haven't put it together yet right. and you see your classmates in the US or friends of yours and stuff and they've been doing it since they're like 13 mm-hmm. like really good mm-hmm. and so uh, I had that moment there where I was like well I really need to do competitions because that's going to push me then and stuff mm-hmm. and so I did a couple competitions and had a, a good experience because it really pushed me Right. and uh, because of that even I, I did Prix de Lausanne mm-hmm. which uh, was really really good because uh, uh, the the month before it uh, we had like Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And during that Christmas break, I went and did a full Swan Lake on tour with uh, this Russian state ballet mm-hmm. uh, with Vyacheslav Gardiev, who's this really famous like Russian legend. Mm-hmm. And he kind of mentored me and tutored me. And then it was like, my mom was like, oh yeah, so there's this thing called Brie de Lausanne. And I didn't really like look into it. Right. And I was quite, uh, I guess, ignorant then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I hadn't really seen that much. I just knew that like Vadim Montagirov had been on it mm-hmm. and like he did a cool like variation or something. It was very like, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know that much. And so I rehearsed it for about a week, uh, my Giselle variation. And mm-hmm. I kind of learned the contemporary solo, like really not good. My mom said, like thinking back on it, my mom was like, Julian, I don't know what you're going to do. Like when I sent her videos and stuff. <laughs> uh, and then by the time I actually got there, I didn't feel any pressure or anything because I really... I didn't know what I was in, into mm-hmm. and I had just right. done like a Swan Lake. So right. I was like three adagios, you know, like right. two so variations. Yeah, I was yeah. like, this is my one variation. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, because of that, I was able to then to go work at the Royal Ballet mm-hmm. um, after after winning the scholarship there, mm-hmm. um, scholarship contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was super grateful to kind of see then the outside world after this like hardcore uh, Russian ballet school. Mm-hmm. Wait, so rewind a little bit yeah. to how... Sorry. Sp- no, no, no. <laughs> no that's okay. I, no, You're hitting all the points we're gonna we want. We're going to get there. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, no, Swan Lake, how did that opportunity come about? Especially since you were saying you were coming kind of from a position of like, I can't, e- I don't even string together like a whole variation. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. and now I'm just going to do a full-length Swan Lake? Yep. Well, I, <laughs> it was kind of like um, I was in first course uh, at the school and I did uh, this competition in Sochi at the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I did uh, male variations, mm-hmm. like full out. And I think I had to do uh, three classical Oh no, it was more. It was like five classical and two contemporary. Oh my goodness. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. It was like three rounds and uh, it was really good because I got to put everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, Learn all those kind of the heads. There was really cool, like from Little Humpback Horse, I learned this oceans variation, which is like super rare. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was a really good experience to kind of make it all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. And then um, in the next... uh, the next course during Christmas time was when this opportunity came about to do like a full Swan Lake and Gardeev had um, been supportive of me before then. And he, uh, he had coached me on a couple things, mm-hmm. but I really was like, I, I mean, it was something that physically, I mean, of course, physically you can always do something to really push yourself, mm-hmm. but mentally I was like, no, I don't mm-hmm. know the steps. I, I really had minimal partnering experience because it was just like what you do in, in school. Mm-hmm. Right. So like half the lifts I hadn't done yet. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was really like more mentally as something that I couldn't do. How long did you have to, to prepare for this? <laughs> like two weeks. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And just like learn all of whole ballet, yeah, uh-huh. and partnering arsenal and sure, sure, yeah. no problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tried on the costumes and they were like, they, "It fits, it's okay." <laughs> oh my gosh! So just about these um, not working on variations, it's so interesting. I would never, I can't really imagine what your schooling experience was, but if I had to pick one thing, I would think in Russia you guys are drilling classical variations all the time. But it's surprising to me that you weren't. Is there a reason for that? Was it something they wanted you to wait on? Do you kind of have insight into that? It's usually something that's uh, a lot slower. So, for instance, uh, at the academy, usually by the time you graduate, you're able to... Um, there's kind of different categories. And I've heard some other people actually that have uh, graduated from the school speak about this. It's really this thing where some people graduate as like soloists or principals. Like mm-hmm. they're already... Uh, they've gained that repertoire. They've gained that knowledge. And they're already doing variations and they graduate. And some people don't. Like mm-hmm. on purpose. They prepare them for the corps de ballet and stuff. And they're ready to go wow. and do the corps de ballet dances. And so during this kind of the last three years of your schooling, that really gets like defined and figured out. Right. Um, so usually... So you're defined like in high school as to what your career will exactly, be. Exactly. Yeah. 
So then when, so when you graduate in maybe like a soloist or principal capacity, does that mean that that's the jobs you're looking for then in the world? Well, even then, uh, the way it works is that uh, the school has a relationship with a lot of the theaters then in Russia or um, some in Europe. And what happens then is as you graduate from the school and you're taken into the company, it's this thing where you had a teacher in school that taught you everything and stuff that walked uh, through the steps with you and figured everything out. Mm -hmm. And then you get into a company, it's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. There's also a coach personally working with you on everything. And if you already have that kind of um you've been chosen as like one of these people that's going to be a soloist or a principal Mm -hmm. you still do the corps de ballet repertoire but you'll do it for like three months or a Mm -hmm. year max and then already by your second season and stuff you're getting soloist opportunities even if it's just one one soloist opportunity year or two and it's the same thing where the coaches work with you on every single step Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's why um I was a little bit surprised when I went to Royal Ballet and they don't really have that coaching. You're really on your own. Mm -hmm. And I was used to in school having this kind of support where if I didn't know something, of course I could look it up on YouTube and that's like the really awesome thing about, Mm -hmm. you know, living in this day and age where you can always find a videotape of something. Um, And I was used to having like a coach with me all the time in school, like Mm -hmm. preparing me, helping me if that was coaches from the Bolshoi theater Mm -hmm. um, or from the school. And basically then when I went to Royal Ballet, I didn't, I I didn't have that of course, because I was in the court of ballet, like everybody does. And uh, I spent a lot of time working in the studios and trying to keep myself in shape to do these like hard tricks and pirouettes and stuff because it's not in the court of ballet repertoire. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, does that just mean there are so many people on staff in Russia then that, that yeah. you have that many coaches available to you? Is, is it generally one person per person? Yeah. yeah. It's, does it shift at all or are you just... Well, you're really... When you're taken in the company, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have won a couple, couple competitions or uh, you got a really good grade on your ballet exam when you finished, there's usually a coach that will have interest in you because, mm-hmm. of course, coaches want to have the best students. Sure. Yeah. And it's a very one-on-one experience. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, when they go to the theater for the first season or the second season, they don't have a coach, mm-hmm. but most of the time, if you're, uh, up to the level, they always uh, give you a coach or you ask to be kind of, uh, ask someone to mentor you. Mm-hmm. So I have two questions about this. Yeah. <laughs> what happens if you don't like your coach and <laughs> <Yeah>. good questions <laughs> and how, <laughs> and how long do you normally stay with them? Will they stay with you for your whole career? Maybe you don't like them. You just give them the boot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, that's like really important as well when you first get into the company because um, when when you're young, mm-hmm. uh, you're always really mold- moldable, mm-hmm. especially right. when you come out of school. Like mm-hmm. you can change your port of bra. You, when you dance a, a show for the first time, the way it's put together is really important. Right. If you like bad uh, rehearse it bad the first time, then almost every single time you're going to do it, you're going to have those bad habits. Mm-hmm. It's just like with ballet school, the first like plies you do, you right. got to make sure they're, they're correct because mm-hmm. you're going to be doing them for the rest of your career. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely really important at the beginning to find a coach that suits you really well. Um, and that's why when I came uh, back to Russia after being offered this soloist contract at Mihailovsky, I uh, was given this coach. His name's uh, Mikhail Sivakov. And he's actually, he's a duet teacher at the Vaganova Ballet Academy. And I was kind of his like first student at the theater. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, he was a principal of the company. He still was dancing a couple roles. Oh, and he, cool. yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. And I got this experience where basically he, he he he's, he kind of looks like me a little bit <laughs> and he really uh, understood the way I worked uh-huh. and so it got to the point where I could totally trust anything he said mm-hmm. if something wasn't working out instead of trying to fi- fix it myself or have a different feeling or look in the mirror mm-hmm. I could just listen to what he thought was wrong right and it would fix it interesting and what do you yeah. think the benefits are to having someone like that versus I think in America it's a lot more dispersed the people that are going to you know uh, shape you as a dancer you know you might I mean certainly like 
the uh, ballet master duties are divvied up amongst the mm-hmm. staff, but um, we don't we don't have that sort of one on one connection unless you forge it personally. It's not yeah. a tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what is that? How does that affect um, you as a professional dancer versus if you were just kind of taking from a lot of different individuals? Like maybe the time at Royal where you didn't have someone. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> see, even at Royal, I found like Vadim Montaguero or mm-hmm. Matthew Golding and stuff. And they so were right still, in the studios and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were kind of like uh, giving me a couple of corrections and stuff. Um, but definitely, I think the main difference is, especially uh, if you're a younger dancer, mm-hmm. it's really important to have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's definitely the only reason why I was able to go on stage and dance these roles, uh, at such a young age. So like I did like, uh, Flames of Paris, Giselle, um, Nutcracker, La Sophie. These, these were really roles that, uh, maybe physically you can do them when you're younger, but if you don't have the coaching to understand the emotional depth, uh, the partnering and mm-hmm. like the relationship on stage, mm-hmm. it's really difficult. Right. I honestly, uh, think that. <clears throat> it's extremely important to have someone there if that's a ballet master or a really good coach to help you especially when you're younger because mm-hmm. that really only comes with experience mm-hmm. right messing up mm-hmm. doing it wrong right or seeing uh, the ballet a million times mm-hmm. so i think definitely uh, if you want to dance those roles younger uh the best way to do it is have like a team around you right mm-hmm. that's so fascinating i mean we come from a place where sometimes we have rehearsals by ourselves without even a ballet <laughs> master in the room because there's not enough of them you know right. so it's just like so different so you were at Royal Ballet for one year, and then you got eight you, months. Eight months, <laughs> one season, <laughs> and then you mentioned uh, <laughs> that you were offered a contract back in Russia. Yeah. So how did that contract come about, and what made you like, yeah, I'm ready to go back to Russia. This is where I belong. Well, I really wanted, um, I wanted the experience of dancing soloist roles, mm-hmm. and I saw that at Royal Ballet they really had a lot of the, their own people, and it was uh, definitely a hierarchical system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you had to wait for the opportunity, mm-hmm. and you pretty much know your schedule about a year in advance, especially if you're going to be dancing something soloist. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, decided that uh, the best thing for me was to kind of look for that soloist opportunity somewhere else because mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of worried that I would have to wait a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to uh, go in addition, actually in Budapest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, ballet master that was giving the, the class was Mikhail Messer. And he's the, he was the ballet director at Mikhailovsky who mm-hmm. uh, brought me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got offered a contract in, in Budapest, uh, but the contract in St. Petersburg was better. So I mm-hmm. decided to take that. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask if... Um you know, had you always wanted to end up back in Russia or was that just a happy coincidence that um, this opportunity presented itself? When, when I finished school, I, uh, I really wanted to leave Russia and see what Europe was like and have the experience of uh, challenge my, challenging myself mm-hmm. with new repertoire and uh, speaking English and seeing kind of what the ballet world was outside of Russia because mm-hmm. I spent most of my time in Russia before then. Um, and so kind of ending back up, ending back in Russia was something unexpected. Um, and it was interesting because the first role that I premiered in, uh, in Mihailovsky was Corsair, the same Corsair that I saw when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the reason why I wanted to dance. Right. So it kind of really came full circle. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, um, the adjustment to company life like for you? You had obviously were well immersed in Russia as a child, but then what was different for you going into company life and in a soloist capacity? Um, well, it was very, very demanding. So the, I um, I left Royal Ballet after about eight months of working there. And I had two months after I got my visa and everything sorted out, mm-hmm. two months uh, left in the season at Mihailovsky. Mm-hmm. And I think I had like uh, nine premieres or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like barely enough time to learn the steps. And I was already on stage and like wow. I danced the, all the soloist repertoire then in like two months. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great experience because 
because I went on stage so much, you really get comfortable then on stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're not afraid to try things that are uh, more risky mm-hmm. or uh, kind of be yourself more. Mm-hmm. And that was really good for me coming from uh, Royal Ballet where I was quite closed. Um, so I could open up more and become mm-hmm. kind of more confident. Mm-hmm. What's the performing schedule like? Performing schedule. Well, uh, now it's a little different. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I was there for about a year. I got promoted mm-hmm. and um I'm really happy because I, I always get the opportunity to dance about uh, three to four times uh, leading roles mm-hmm. uh, every month, basically. That's amazing. And so um, that's that's a lot of dancing. Like three Giselles is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and once Nutcracker season comes along, it's like it's it's a lot. December, okay. January. Um, and uh, yeah, I really I really enjoy it. I'm really grateful to uh, Vladimir Kechlin, the, the director of my theater, mm-hmm. for always understanding uh, the kind of moment where uh, if I ask him to go and, and do a gala, uh, that he actually lets me go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter if there's a show there or not, he can move it to a different date or, or we can maybe cancel that show and I can do it later in the season. And uh, I think that's really rare for directors to have that kind of um, personal connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so fascinating to me. I have a question that might be like, I don't know if it might be a little touchy, but I'm just curious because like we are talking about in the States, you start in the core and like you said at Royal Ballet, you found the same thing. Everybody's kind of waiting their turn to move up in the ranks and get opportunities. But it sounds like in Russia, maybe the people who are in the core were already told in the school, like you're going to be in the core and like you were told you would be able to move through the ranks. So when you come in as a young person who just started and you already have these roles as soloist can it get kind of touchy i would imagine of course yeah it's it's always interesting i'd say that like when uh when you graduate school Mm -hmm. um they specifically uh so some of my classmates uh, when they graduated school they'd already done a couple competitions won some medals Mm -hmm. and they were honestly taken into like the bolshoi theater Mm -hmm. on a kind of upgraded core contract which meant that they were still quarter ballet listed on the site but they had uh bonuses in terms of money Mm -hmm. and uh there already was a promise that like there's like a couple levels in the core i think Mm -hmm. And they already could kind of skip a few because they had won the medals. And in Russia, that's uh, definitely a big thing if you've won competitions because that shows that you can uh, you can already dance a variation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But definitely, no. Definitely, there's always. Um, it's still there. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. There's definitely a lot of competition. Um, I'm. I was really grateful because. Uh, when I came to Mihailovsky, I, I got this coach that was willing to like nurture me and mm-hmm. kind of really uh, explain to me exactly how to fall at the end of Lasso Feed mm-hmm. and uh, exactly which moments that you're supposed to cry and which moments you're supposed to be like more put together at like the end of Giselle and stuff when you want to like throw up and don't want to dance anymore and yeah. stuff, you still have to run. Right. right. Like he, he's always telling me like, Julian, I want to call the ambulance when it's done with the show. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's always pushing me to that limit. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's definitely that friendly um, competition and uh, in my theater I really look up to uh, like uh, Linit Sarafanov he's um, he's really such a true artist coming to class every day uh, and working as, as if he was my age mm-hmm. he, yeah. he's like super super professional yeah. and it shows on stage yeah so tell us um, about how you, the opportunity to come to Vale Dance Festival came about how did Damien Wetzel kind of first how did you become on his radar well um, I actually uh, I didn't know Damien uh-huh. uh, and I danced I uh, performed in uh, Los Cabos Mexico mm-hmm. in April uh, for a gala called uh, Gala de Danza mm-hmm. and I danced um, with uh, Hiso from ABT we did this oh. beautiful uh, Paris opera renaissance piece with these like Balmain costumes and it was stunning wow. mm-hmm. um and um 
I also danced. Uh, do you know Sergei Polunin? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, yeah. yeah, pretty famous Russian dancer. <laughs> uh, I did his uh, "Take Me to Church" piece, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was definitely That's cool. Yeah, it was a big kind of responsibility because the choreographer uh, Jade had really wanted to pass it down to like mm-hmm. kind of the next generation yeah. and to continue the legacy of the piece. And so for me, it was like a really big honor to mm-hmm. be able to do it. And yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely tried my best. And uh, <laughs> some some people were there from Vale, and they uh, invited me. Wow. You choreograph a bit yourself, is that? A little bit. I'm finishing actually um, GITIS, which is this um, uh, queer, well, it's an arts academy, arts university in St. Petersburg uh, in Moscow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the mountain air. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's an arts uh, arts university in Moscow. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm getting my master's degree. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. So how does that work with your schedule? It's difficult. It's yeah. very difficult. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I was supposed to be finishing this year, but because on the exact same day of my exams, I had a show, there was like no way I was going to be able to be there. Yeah. Um, they were like, okay, Julian, you can give in your final exam next year. So I was oh. like, I'll pick up my diploma next year. It's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, great. But it's, it's a four-year program. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it's, it's difficult with the schedule. I um. Uh, the first kind of serious choreographic project that I did was uh, probably for sure at the Coliseum mm-hmm. for the Russian Icons Gala. I showed a part of a uh, full-length ballet that I want to create um, cool. called uh, The Warrior of Light. Uh, and it's about the life of Nicholas Rorick, uh, which is a famous kind of Russian painter. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to uh, diversify more into kind of we're doing new like YouTube things with my brother called the McKay Chronicles mm-hmm. and uh, kind of creating more content because it's kind of like I really look up to people like Roberto Bole. Mm-hmm. And uh, this past year in November, I got to go on like Roberto Bole and friends and perform in Italy. And mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. Like uh, and I think me as a young dancer, especially when I was in school, mm-hmm. I would have loved to see like, how does that even work? What does right. that even feel like? Right. And nowadays, of course, there's always more and more content showing up, mm-hmm. but definitely uh, I wanted to see more behind the scenes and backstage and yeah. stuff. And uh, I want to create more of that content. Uh, yeah. Is that because there was a piece done on you by the China Global Television Network? Is that what you guys were discussing doing the the video work that you were doing? That's one of the things. Yeah. I want to um, I want to definitely uh, create more platforms for young dancers, just mm-hmm. kind of like how Roberto Bolle does. As soon as I um, I went and danced uh, in his gala, a lot of other opportunities opened up because it was kind of you know this legend of ballet stamp that it was like, well, you know, he's a good dancer, approved. Right. And like I deal. was like, mom, <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge deal for me. Yeah, um, definitely a dream come true. Yeah. Um, um, but I think uh, th- if there's more opportunities for young people to come and show themselves, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be more talented uh, people. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you'll be dancing at the festival? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so um, I was asked to dance Flower Festival uh, with uh, Isabella Boylston. And uh, yeah, right away I said yes. Uh, Is that the first time you've danced with her? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, we met in St. Petersburg uh, at this uh, Diaghilev uh, festival that was in the Alexandrinsky Theater. It was in like winter time. She was dancing with um, uh, James uh, from ABT as well. And they were doing this uh, beautiful Sleeping Beauty that was like really super hardcore, difficult. Um, <laughs> Alexis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Romanskis, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like blown away because like it's completely different, but it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was the first time I met her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm super happy that we get to dance together. She's such a professional and yeah. uh, it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you started rehearsal for that? Not yet, right? Just, yeah, yesterday. Just yesterday. Yesterday. I, I've never danced Flower Festival before, so it was a kind of... Uh, interesting experience learning it yeah. and uh, figuring it out. And then I'm also dancing with uh, Catherine Herlin, uh, Don Q, mm-hmm. which uh, should be really, really fun. Yeah. That you've danced a few times, I imagine. I've danced Don Q a couple <laughs> times. Actually, just this past year, I, uh, I uh, for the first time, danced it in uh, China. I did like five shows in a row with uh, Christine Lecretova, this uh, 
his principal from Bolshoi. Wow. wow. Yeah. So have you danced with Catherine before? No, no. no. I, this is like the first All time new. I met her too. Great. I, I remember. Um, She's a spitfire, that one. Yeah, yeah. Tons of fire. Uh, I think I remember her when I was really little uh, from ABT summer programs because uh, I did, uh, I think I went two or three times on scholarship because uh, uh, Franco DeVita was like super. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I think the first time I was too young to go mm-hmm. and I wrote a letter uh, saying like, can I please come and stuff? I really want to, you know, <laughs> in Montana, we don't really have those kind of opportunities and experiences. Mm-hmm. And he let me come. And so I was like super little running around the AVT building and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Wow, that's great. So what are you most looking forward to about this experience here in Vail? You have so many different artists around you that you don't see often. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking forward to the most? Well, it's really nice to be uh, performing in the US. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my mom and dad and stuff don't get to see me dance that often. Yeah. And so to be able to come and kind of dance closer closer to home is really, yeah. it's really amazing for me. Are they going to be here? Uh, I think my sister's coming for sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it's really amazing to see all these artists that uh i've I've looked up to and i've seen kind of through youtube or social media but really haven't met them in person yet they're all here yeah it's it's (laughs) quite amazing to see them all like in the mountains (laughs) (laughs) wonderful well we're so looking forward to your performances here at the veil dance festival and now we come to our final part of the interview which is our lightning round where we'll just ask a short question and then you say what comes to mind okay so what is your dream role that you have not danced dream role uh probably a manor onegin mm-hmm. super like emotional Something. dramatic yeah yeah <laughs> um dream company to guest with guest with um i don't know i i would really come love to come and dance with abt mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 what's been your especially since i've danced with so many beautiful ballerinas <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them there. Yeah. yeah um what's been your favorite onstage moment to date uh hmm Probably, probably the first time I danced uh, Flames of Paris. It was one of those things where everything went perfect. And uh, the director of my company, I remember Sotofanov actually came and he was like, Julian, like I have to dance in the evening. It was a matinee show. And he was like, Julian, I have to dance in the evening. Why the hell did you make it so hard? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, this one you may have already answered, but the dream choreography project, you already mentioned that full length. Is there anything else you have up your sleeve? Well, I really want to um, create my own show. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe in the future, I'll be touring that kind of Julian McKay's universe type thing. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for thank your you time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank really you. We look forward to seeing you dance. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.